Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education. Education is our passport to the future. So let's head on over to the social media corner, Rena, and see what Pam's got going on there in Twitter. During Tuesday's Twitter chat, we asked our uh, colleagues, what suggestions do you have for redesigning lessons for that remote and hybrid learning? So what's, what's the response that we got in there, Pam? There were comments about the importance of making sure that learning is not passive, that students will disengage otherwise. Pam, that is just so important that we keep our students engaged, even if they are in a remote or hybrid environment. So it's really good to think about what are some strategies that I maybe did in my in-person classroom that could easily transform over to that remote or hybrid classroom. So even things, if you're on a video call, quiet thumb, they just it's a little different because when you're in a call on the computer, they need to hold it a bit higher. So just reminding them of things like that, holding up fist to five. And another, I got a great tip from a kindergarten teacher over here in Washington where they actually just printed out some cards and they hold up different cards to show their students to symbol when to mute, when to unmute. So all of those strategies that they're already so great with, they can use in this remote or hybrid learning environment as well. That's cool. So it's kind of like cue cards at the, you know, Saturday Night Live kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I was actually thinking when Pam was talking about that, I was thinking about an interview that I heard with a parent. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because last spring, the teachers really weren't in the classroom necessarily. It's the parents that were in the classroom. So the parents were seeing the kids firsthand. And one of the parents said, you know what, teachers really need to empower my child to get them engaged. If they're just watching a video and filling out a worksheet, it's not going to work. They're going to disengage in two seconds. They need to be, my student needs to be active in the learning process and um, really beg the teachers to, to let the student be creator and a problem solver and really engage them. That's so important, Paul. I actually did some research and we really need to engage students in some way in every three to five minutes. And especially in these remote environments that can you really have to think about it or else it can be challenging. So even if some of those things I talked about earlier or in some way, but you have to empower the student and allow them to engage and react and respond in some way in every three to five minutes. It's really important to think about. Wow. Three to five minutes. Yeah. That's probably more frequent than a lot of people think about. So Pam, I think we had another question or comment. So if you could go ahead and tell us what that is. Sure, Rena. There was conversation about the fact that teachers need to think about if the learning should be synchronous or asynchronous. Do you have any suggestions about how they should make that decision? Well, I'll, I'll comment first, Rena, and, and not necessarily about how they should make the decision so much as why that decision is important. You know, when especially if you're in a hybrid environment. So in a hybrid environment, some students are at home, some students are face-to-face, and you have the students maybe for half the time each. In an environment like that, it's so important to think about what do I need the kids right in front of me for? What, and what do they need me for face-to-face? Those things should get prioritized then for the face-to-face sessions. And then what things can the kids do on their own? If they can do it independently, 
I can offload that then to the homework or the independent work when they're at home and maximize that face-to-face time. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Rena? I think everything you said is really true. And then also just to think through all of those things. And also, what is your group size, your time, um, thinking about all of that as well. And just like Paul really mentioned, it's important to think about what are what are your learning outcomes for students during those times? So if you're just direct teaching, could that easily be done instead by doing a video um, that you could post in asynchronous and then maybe use that synchronous time to discuss what they already saw or watched or engaged in. So it's being really intentional with time because it's very limited. So I was thinking you mentioned uh, group size is an important factor. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I know as I've been working with different teachers, they're thinking through maybe instead of doing a whole class, you know, 30-minute, 50-minute lesson, it actually might be more impactful to do, you know, four or five, 10-minute or even seven-minute sessions with a group of five, six students instead. And then to facilitate those conversations between students is going to be much easier. They're going to be more familiar with each other in that small group setting rather than in a whole class setting. And in the end, they actually believe that the learning will be greater. Yeah, really, especially, you know, in those live meetings, you get 20, 30 kids in there and and they can easily get lost in that mix. Mm -hmm. And it's also hard as the teacher to sit there and monitor faces, reactions and everything else. (laughs) Exactly. And if you get too many on there about the size of a, you know, a pinhead, there's so little. (laughs) Well, should we take a a little deep deep dive into our uh, main question for today, Rena? Sure. So our question was, how might I reorganize traditional in-person lesson for remote learning? And I do have to say there's a shift in thinking. So I've been kind of suggesting with teachers that instead of just thinking about this as what will I do tomorrow or this next day, thinking about it as a week long, and especially when you're using both synchronous and asynchronous learning, um, to really think about it as a week of learning and going through all your lessons, your outcomes, your standards for that week, and then identifying what is most essential, what is going to be most important to teach. And then once you know the answer to that question, you can start to think about how to accomplish that goal. So thinking about, okay, what am I going to prioritize for asynchronous, synchronous, and then, or in my hybrid model, what would be in-person, what might they do on their own? And that will help you think through that. And then once you think about that, the next step might be, okay, now that I know what I want to accomplish, what I want students to learn, and how I might want them to do that, what resources or tools might I use to deliver that? What might I need students to know to be able to interact? Yeah, I love that you're really thinking big picture there and and learning outcomes driving that whole design process. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also think, too, you know, you, you talked about doing a week rather than a day. Do you mm-hmm. think that gives the teacher more flexibility in their planning, too? Absolutely. They're able to think bigger picture and be more flexible. And instead of thinking I'm going to teach my whole math lesson on Monday, I might think about how to divide that up. And it doesn't all have to be on the same day. I might teach different parts on different days. So just a lot more flexibility in thinking and learning. And as long as you're still teaching all of those standards, it's going to be great. 
Yeah, it's really an opportunity too to rethink how we teach. And maybe there's some advantages that we haven't thought about when we were, you know, thinking so day to day all the time. This might actually make us better, right? Yeah, and these are these are great strategies they can take back even after this whole epidemic we hope is resolved. So I think it's yeah. really gonna change learning as you pointed out, Paul. How about you? Do you have any good tips or ideas? Well, I was thinking, you know, a little bit along the line of making things better. And one of our uh, articles on avidopenaccess.org is how to thrive and not just survive in hybrid learning. And I I really encourage our our listeners to go check that out at avidopenaccess.org. And one of the things that we talk about in there is being efficient in your planning. So I'm thinking specifically about the hybrid model, because in our district, Mm -hmm. our secondary students are going to be starting that way. So Half the days will be in person, half the days will be at home. And then on Friday, it's going to be a distance learning day for everybody. So how, and then at the same time, those teachers may have full-time distance learning kids who have opted just to do all their learning from home. So that can be kind of daunting to think about, you know, here I'm a teacher and I need to plan for my face-to-face kids. I need to plan for the students that are going to be at home, but I'll see tomorrow. And then I need to plan for those students that are home all the time. My suggestion, it is. And my <laughs> suggestion is design one lesson, not three. Design one lesson. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can just tell us more about what does that mean? One lesson, not three. Well, if you try to, if you try to do three lessons every day, you're going to burn out by the second week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my opinion anyway. Um, and the, kind of generated some different hybrid design models. And these are in that article on Avid Open Access. And check these out. Um, there's five different plans that we kind of talk about that could work in multiple environments. So one of those is a self-paced online, uh, online process. So if I design my lesson to work online self-paced, everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the environment is. And even if it's in class, so students may be watching a screencast at the beginning of class and maybe somebody would say, well, that doesn't seem like a very good use of the in-person time. It's not unless you're using that time to conference with kids, pull kids in small groups, check in with kids, do that individual learning. So that's an example of one of those models. That's great. And you're really describing how you're planning for both blended learning and for complete remote learning all at the same time. So smarter, not harder. I like that idea. So, you know, another one of the the uh, models that we talk about in the article is like a station rotation, which I know is a, a big strategy in elementary schools for sure. Mm-hmm. And how do you move that to a, a virtual setting? Do you have thoughts on that, Rena? So, and I, It really depends um, on what kind of learning management system or how you are putting together. So once again, thinking about that beforehand is going to be really helpful. Um, I've seen lots of different things popping up, but allowing students to kind of give them choices. So I always, you can even do a bingo game with elementary students. It's great. It could be, you know, in a Google I've seen them do it in Google Slides, and then when they click on it, it takes them to the activity. So as a child, you might just say to the students, you have to complete five activities 
or to make a bingo, but they get to choose which ones they have to do. Um, and they're still going to end up doing everything, but they have choice over <laughs> how and when they do it. Um, so that can be really engaging and fun for them. And it kind of has that rotation model happening. Yeah. And you know what? You, you've hit on a really important theme there, and that's that student choice piece. If, if students had a, a say in their learning, wow, they really buy in a lot more. Yeah. So choice. And when we talk about differentiating, it doesn't just mean in like level differentiation by choice is huge and it can be really high leverage for students. And back to when you're talking about parents saying my child needs to be empowered and feel engaged, giving them choice um, can help with that. So I think Absolutely. that's important. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that station rotation, too. There's there's a couple ways you could do it. I mean, there could be stations within one day. So maybe they do a if they're in the face to face, maybe they're doing a collaborative activity with a classmate and then they go uh, meet with the teacher and then maybe they're doing an independent project. And then at home, maybe the kids at home are doing different stations. Maybe they're working okay. through some online software or doing a project. And mm -hmm. then when they come back to school, they flip and they yep. do the other one. And the nice thing is, back to your point, is I've designed that all ahead of time and everybody's doing everything. And I was able to think about that. I'm not trying to do three different things. <laughs> exactly. And that's really the key. It's like you said, smarter, not harder, right? We've talked a lot about different ways. Are there any tools or anything that you might suggest for people out there to use if trying to accomplish some of these tasks? I would say that for me, you need a home base. Mm -hmm. And if you have a learn, you really need some kind of a learning management system, you know, that even if it's a, it's a Google classroom or it's a canvas or a Schoology, or you're leveraging Microsoft teams, or you're doing something that gives the students one consistent place where they go for everything. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be key because if the kids don't know where to find it, they're not mm -hmm. going to be able to do it. <laughs> it's an immediate barrier before you ever get started is what it sounds like, Paul. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, really, I don't even know how to get in the door. So it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be learning. How about you, Rena? What do you, what are you thinking about tools? Well, I know, especially with, uh, I mean, I work a lot with younger learners or kind of pre-K five specifically. And so there's been lots of talk about how do I engage students, especially students that don't um, they're developing their reading schools and they're developing their writers, writing skills. How do I engage with them in this remote learning or hybrid environment? So I know one tool that's free and that a lot of the teachers I've been supporting have been using is Flipgrid. Um, yeah. And the nice thing about Flipgrid is, once again, it's free. So that's huge. But also it's videos. So students can easily hold up their work. They can explain their thinking. They can get responses from the teacher and other students. And you can keep it kind of safe and closed in your learning management system. So that's the other great thing is that Flipgrid pretty much integrates with all learning management systems. So I know that's been huge. And just a little tip, I had a teacher share a great activity just for the beginning of the year. Um, it's called What's in My Bag. So she set it up so that students would just, if they were going to school, pulling out and sharing five things that they would have in their bag, they would, first of all, introduce themselves, say their name, so everyone could understand how it was pronounced um, and get to know that student a little bit better. And then they could show the diff five different things and you just get to know a little bit more about them. And then students that were reluctant to show their face, that what their face wasn't even required, they could just show the things. And then she even invited the principal and other school-based employees that maybe don't have classrooms of their own, like the PE teacher, music teacher, to also be part of that Flipgrid so kids could get to know them a little bit better. 
What a great activity. I, I want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing she said is uh, she told her students, you know, Flipgrid's like TikTok, but a bit safer. And she said as soon as she said TikTok, the kids were completely bought in. They they were like, oh, it's like TikTok. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> get, them, get them where they live, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I love that you said it's safe and it's easy and it's versatile. I mean, what more could you want from a tool? All right. So. As we're kind of closing up our episode today, if there was one thing that you could do tomorrow to be redesigning your lessons for remote learning, Rena, what would you what would you do? Start small, pick one thing, one thing for myself and one thing for students to learn. So if my one thing I'm going to learn more about is Flipgrid, I'm going to figure that out. And that's the only thing I'm going to introduce to students. And we might do that for a while and build upon that. So one thing at a time. Great advice. And how about you, Paul? I would kind of go back to our earlier conversation and I would try to think about what can I design that all of my learners can do regardless of their learning environment. So we've shared our one things, our big takeaways today. Now it's time for you to think about it. What is your one thing? What's your one thing for today, for this week, and for the next month? Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help you bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central for live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote and hybrid learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. You can also call us and leave a message at 858-223-8999. Please share your comments or feel free to ask us a question. Once again, that's 858-223-8999. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.